you know, I normally don't like doing any cold openings and stuff because I normally just hit the button when people are talking and already Organic. enjoying themselves yeah. and whatnot. So, you know, that's just kind of how I like to do things. And every now and again, I'll throw some, yeah, every now and again, I'll throw some, uh, throw some music on the stuff. One of my guests gave me some nice little plucky guitar tune to put on here and I like it. Hell yeah. So every now and again, I'll throw that on there. And then here in a minute, you'll see me like say, screw you headphones after I'm confident that everything sounds at least halfway decent. <laughs> and whoever's a sound engineer will hear that and be like, he probably should have kept those headphones on. Nice. Oh, goodness. I can hear what I'm drinking now. Great. Oh. Um, yeah. So there go the headphones. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. This is Thomas, and this is the KAAMP. That is the Knoxville Area Artist Network and Platform Podcast Thingamajig. The P is fluid. Um, we are here today in the super secret studio space with someone I found on the internet and asked a question out into the ether as I do. So when you're done taking a swig of that, will you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. My name is Scout Smith. I was born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm a tattooer. I was tattooing in Nashville for about three years. And yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Scout Smith. S K O U T S M I T H. The K is an important distinction. I Very feel like. important. <laughs> so, um, let's let's take a little tour through your uh, history of mediums. Okay. If, if you can give us a breakdown of where you started, and then a couple of the things between here and there, that'd okay. be really cool. So, I grew up as an art kid. Um, my dad is a very prolific artist. Um, he did a lot of graphite portraits. Um, he would always like draw our Christmas cards, which I thought was really That's whimsical. <laughs> um, so I grew up watching him make his art, and then as he kind of slowly stopped making art, I inherited all of his uh, fancy pencils and his fancy uh, architect's table. Um, and I really started taking art seriously in high school. I took two years of AP art at Knoxville Catholic High School. Go Irish. <laughs> um, and during those two years, I focused a lot on oil painting. I was doing pastels. And then after high school, I kind of transitioned into mainly colored pencils, which is still probably my favorite medium. Um, hell yeah. Doing a lot of uh, surrealist portraits. Um, I love wacky faces. Faces are my favorite things to draw. Um, uh, you said surrealist before I did, but I, t I promise you we were going to get there. Hell yeah. <laughs> I figured. I was like looking at your art and considering my art, I feel like we we jive. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> but um, after the colored pencils. After the colored pencils, uh, I started working on a portfolio for finding an apprenticeship. Um, so I kind of transitioned into more pen and ink stuff. Um, but a combination of all the mediums that I worked with over the years, uh, made up my portfolio that I brought to potential mentors. Um, and I eventually landed a spot in Knoxville, um, at Studio 617 in Maryville. And I was there for about 10 months and moved on to Nashville where I did another apprenticeship at Safe House Tattoo, um, Ian White was my mentor there, and he did an awesome job. It was a great place to, to learn. Um, so yeah, after 
all that, I transitioned into tattooing. And now I'm here. <laughs> so is it more or less fun when the thing you're painting or sketching on, like, winces a little bit? <laughs> Ooh, it, that is probably the biggest, like, mental obstacle when transitioning to tattooing. It's like, okay... This isn't just a piece of paper. I can't just leave it, walk away, and come back to it tomorrow. I can't, like, rotate it in the ways that I used to. Like, this is a living, breathing organism <laughs> who feels everything that I'm doing on them. Um, which, honestly, like, it slowly evolved into being my favorite part of tattooing. Just the fact that it's, it's so, like, intimate and you need so much empathy and understanding of your client to, like, really give them a good experience. Mm -hmm. Um... So yeah, it kind of became like two-way therapy, being able to uh, share such a vulnerable space with my clients and like we would just talk throughout the whole thing, if, if that's what they wanted. Um, but yeah, I've met some really cool people through tattooing and I'm so grateful. Well, what everybody can't see right now is a giant smile on your oh, face. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you look also very grateful. So there that's you cool. go. Um, so where has tattooing taken you since you've really tried to dive into that? Dude, I have honestly been presented with so many cool opportunities. Um, I've gotten to travel. I did um, a couple conventions. I went to Chattanooga for Literary Inc., which is like a mainly Harry Potter, but like in general, like literature based tattoo convention. Um, and then I was in uh, Fort Wayne for another convention that was super cool. Um, got to meet a lot of cool people. Um, probably the coolest thing that I've gotten to do that I wouldn't have done without tattooing uh, is tattooing at uh, a music festival in Nashville for two years in a row. There was a, nice. Yeah, uh, my buddy from Knoxville Catholic High School, Briston Maroney, uh, makes music and he put on a really awesome festival called Paradise and I tattooed at last year's and uh, the year before that um, and it was like two nights the first year and then three nights the second year and it was just so surreal nice like, being in that environment I bet yeah that's, that's normally not the place you get to set your stuff up no absolutely <laughs> not but we we did the whole like you know, obviously sanitation um, and safety was our priority so we had health department come out and check it both years got a full stamp of approval uh, and just got to hang out with the coolest people. And everybody was so happy to be there. And the fact that like we got to permanently stamp them with yeah. that moment was just... Was it as, cool. like, uh, did you have a sheet of stuff for the yeah. event? Okay. So we had pre-drawn designs that everybody picked from. Um, all the same size, all the stencils were printed when we got there. So people just picked one and was like, I'm getting a tattoo tonight. Nice. That sounds really fun. <laughs> it was so cool. Also, Briston Maroney gets played on 90.3 a lot. Hell yeah. Sh shout out uh, <laughs> Benny Smith and 90.3. Uh, Benny Smith is the station manager. I've had him sit there into my microphone cool. as well. So yeah, it's a, the, oh, the awesome. world gets real small sometimes. Right, I was just about to say. Uh, and then, what... What are some stylistic influences you have just through your body of work, not necessarily uh, tattooing specifically? Obviously, I have to give my dad credit. I feel like that's where my love of portraiture came from, is seeing like how much time he would spend on 
a face and like one section of a cheek or something. Um, so he's a huge influence. Uh, everywhere I go, I feel like I am mostly influenced by the artists that surround me. Mm -hmm. Um, so being at Studio 617 and being at Safe House was so inspiring. I had some really, really awesome coworkers around me that gave me incredible, like it was just a, a fountain of knowledge. Like there was, it, it's impossible not to learn when you're around artists of that caliber. Oh, for sure. Um, same with, I, cause I did a guest spot at, uh, Golden Heart last year and that was another awesome opportunity to be around artists that I'm not usually around. Um, also, can you tell the, the wonderful people that you're going to be at Golden Heart yes. and for how long? So I'm doing a guest spot at Golden Heart Tattoo. This is my second time tattooing there. Um, uh, I, I was buddies with Mikey, who owns the shop. Um, and I'm going to be there starting tomorrow. I'm going to go set up and then taking appointments Friday. And kind of indefinitely, I want to see how long Mikey would mind me chilling <laughs> at that spot. Because uh, I do have a project that I'm working on in Knoxville that's going to take some time um so i would love to be tattooing throughout that period um so yeah come check it out send me an email the book let's get tatted <laughs> so so for the near near term future you're going to be there yes and and you're going to be taking work yes through february <laughs> at the very least yes excellent so uh, other than your dad who's who's your influences if, if you can name them. If it's not a specific person, then what kind of style did you really try to fold into yours? Um, oh, in high school, I did my AP art concentration on, like, Hellenistic art. Mm -hmm. And a huge favorite of mine was Bellini, um, who did, like, these crazy marble sculptures. So I would just do, like, a pastel drawing of the sculptures, um... Dolly, I know that's an obvious one, but I got to go to the Dolly Museum in St. Petersburg, Florida. Nice. Like, as I was leaving college, and as I was leaving college is really where I started making, like, my surrealist portraiture. Um, who else? I feel like there's so many, so many people. As far as tattoos go, some of my favorite artists currently, uh, Gregoltron at Shrine Tattoo in Santa Fe. He's been a favorite since I started tattooing. Just super, like, I keep using the word surreal, but, like, how else could you describe it? Uh, very wacky, very psychedelic imagery. Um, these, like, really convoluted back pieces that are just such a testament of, like, his creativity and the client's The client's tenacity, determination like, right? to sit there and get it done. <laughs> it's so sick. Um, who else? And then, like, Nathan Fight, who tattoos at Safe House, he's kind of like Nashville's Gregoltron, Gregor which he would heartily disagree with that, but I, I'm going to say it. Um, he is a master of like Japanese tattooing, and that really kind of made me realize that uh, I love the large-scale tattoos. I love tattoos that tell a story, and I think that um, Japanese tattooing is really kind of the king of tattooing like it it has accomplished so much um in so much time and i think that it's been around for so long for a reason so a lot of japanese tattooers are uh some favorites Grobotron, 
everyone at Shrine Tattoo, I should say, is insane. Uh, Water Street Phantom is another big favorite. He's kind of like more biomechanical, surreal Japanese. Um, who else? Oh, Zach Black. I think he's in Michigan. He does a lot of really cool faces with Japanese influence. Um, and then a personal favorite artist, even though like I, my art doesn't really overlap with hers a lot, is Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah. Her story uh, is really inspiring, and we also both went to the same all-girls boarding school, <laughs> which... Uh, well, there's your common ground right, right? there. Yeah. That's the overlap. <laughs> so that, that's just a cool connection to have. And of course, like while I was there, I was just obsessed with her art and learning her story and flipping through her collections. Um, but yeah. But was that as crazy as it sounds? All-girls boarding school? It was awesome it was such a good year the best year of education that i've had by far no lie absolutely no what, what year in your education freshman, was it okay year of high school. so you just like head first dove into that yeah i was like mom can i go to school in the middle of nowhere virginia and she was like sure honey um no it was a lot more involved than that uh but i was a horse girl growing up i don't know if you can smell it on me oh no a horse girl one of those yeah, right oh god um but uh, Chatham Hall is the name of the school that I went to. They had a uh, really great riding program. So I went there to ride horses, and they had a great art program as well. So I was like, this is, this sounds like a place that I should try to get into. And it worked out, and I had such a great time. Was it difficult to get in? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to assume... So I think because I was a writer, like it probably uh, helped me out a little bit because they are so invested in their equestrian program. Um, but yeah, that was a, I, I, I can't believe that like my 14 year old self wanted that. I think that's kind of random, but looking back, I'm kind of like, I'm glad that young scout made that decision for me <laughs> you like 14 year old me wanted to just not be home yeah so like, yeah I, I, I agree with a little bit of that yeah for it's sure. a common theme in my life yeah. that i'm just like let's leave <laughs> yeah yeah I, i've done a lot of that myself Hell yeah. it's like you know what there's somewhere else i want to be i'm gonna go <laughs> right uh, yeah and i'm very grateful to have parents that support me did um, they like shoot you out the door or was there any doubt that this was a good idea once I presented it, uh, I think they were excited with the idea that, number one, I'm excited to go to school. Right. That, that's cool. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, <laughs> hell yeah. My kid wants to be educated. Why wouldn't I support that? Um, it, there was kind of like a weird connotation. Like when I would tell people that I'm about to go to an all-girls boarding school, they'd be like, what'd you do? Like, <laughs> like, like you got in trouble. Yeah. You, got, you got exiled to this place. <laughs> right. So my mom has talked about how like she has had to explain to other parents that it's like, no, like it's her choice. Like she didn't do anything bad. She just wants to go and be in that environment. And it, it was honestly a really empowering experience, uh, made me love being a woman and it made me love learning. Like it was rigorous, but, um, I think it was good for me. Hell yeah. Yeah. That... I mean, I, I agree. I'll have that same 
like in, you know interpretation that it sounds like you probably got in trouble because <laughs> right? anytime anytime in my lived experience somebody's like oh yeah and they went to this and this and I was just like oh god yeah right? <laughs> like <laughs> small recoil where's <laughs> yeah. get my clutching pearls you got, yeah, what do they yeah do? exactly <laughs> but you know I've had the same people uh, I had my mom for a teacher in middle school oh, so cool. I've had the same people be like was that weird yeah how was that it was kind of weird okay yeah like call my mom by her last name all the time like <laughs> why you can just call her mom no, no i didn't want to that's funny you know you're like I, trying to stay incognito <laughs> well no it's not incognito my ass um ain't no way i was hiding anything in that classroom gotcha. but uh no just just to you know follow the rules be uniform i shouldn't have mm-hmm. a special treatment just because my mom's a teacher there you go okay, even I though she that. picked on me a lot and used me for example i guess that only goes one way i have to follow the rules but she can bend them a lot more than i can there you go yeah uh, yeah whatever as moms do <laughs> liberties <laughs> liberties she also had like almost 30 years of teaching experience under her belt yeah, at that time yeah. so like she was she was on it hell yeah but uh yeah i've had that sort of similar reaction it's funky <laughs> uh let's see so uh hieronymus bosch <gasps> yeah is that is that an, a deal of yours oh my gosh um yeah he's one that i don't know too much i've only gotten to know him in passing well i do remember one time uh i can't remember what the painting is called but of course it's like this huge like menagerie of weird creatures and doing crazy things and in bubbles and shit um but i remember sitting down and like zooming in on one of his paintings and just like moving around looking at it for like an hour there's um, so much to see i know and like, they're huge what is that some, guy some of them. <laughs> what was he on it's crazy you know what sobriety back then might might have been a ride that was a drug in itself honestly yeah. you're right and, and not I feel as if I would have had to do crazy shit like that because daily life back then had to be so monotonous. So boring. Yeah. It's like, what do I do? Well, I've done all the things I need to do for the animals. Right. Guess I'm going to sit somewhere until the sun goes down. Gosh. Like, <laughs> Take me back. Put me in, coach. <laughs> Let me have that. <laughs> I'm tired of these damn cell phones. Right? That's what I was just thinking. Like, I would love to be bored for months on end without anything to, like... I guess. Well, that's when you figure out what you really enjoy filling your time with, right there. Right. No yeah. boredom is a boredom is a gift. Oh shit! It's a lug. You know what? I tell people boredom is a luxury sometimes, and they look at me like I'm fucking crazy. No, you're yes, right. Because how often is it that you just genuinely have nothing to do and you feel it? Right. Because you know sometimes you can relax and not be bored, but sometimes you're bored yeah and you literally have nothing to do and it kind of sucks because sometimes you're that and can't relax right because there's not something else going on or something you feel like there's something that you should be doing yes so you're it's preoccupied terrible. with like what can i do to be productive where it's the really like the the challenge is just to let yourself sit in it and mm-hmm. find something that you want to do instead of what am i obligated well, to do well there's a lot of sitting with it in my life because <laughs> uh some a lot of the things that come across my mind are just terrible 
just oh, absolutely no. terrible. Uh, so I have to let things like marinate for a yeah, while before absolutely. I say some shit out the side of my neck or like draw something really stupid. Oh, I feel that. Yeah. But I, I try to draw stupid shit sometimes. I really do. <laughs> just that's, to get that shit out of my head. Right. Yeah. And honestly, like that's a great creative exercise is just to sit down with like a box of crayons or some shit that you wouldn't usually use and just be a kid and like draw like a child like scribble draw whatever your brain or your hand wants to and see where it goes all right we're here now we've kind of stumbled on like my fifth favorite question nice uh what's a good creative day look like for you Ooh, i think if, if it's not like a normal thing, like a routine or something, like just then what's the last good creative day look like? I have never been great with routines, um, which I feel like I should probably train myself into having some sort of structure, but I feel like I operate best just like waking up with like, okay, In I gotta wind. figure out. Yeah. Wherever <laughs> the wind blows, man, let's see what happens. Um, but some days I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I want to draw. Like, what am I going to draw today? And that's my sign to like sit down and do something dedicate my day to creation um because it, those moments of like inspiration are very fleeting that it's as an artist as a creative it's like almost uh becomes a priority to like follow that gut feeling um because it doesn't come by as often for me as I wish it would. Um, I think everybody can say that. That's what I was I, saying. Because I've never heard anybody be like, Muse, fuck you, go away. Like, right? Not once. Yeah. No, I think everybody is looking for those moments of inspiration. Um, and I think that because of the way that society is, like we almost don't pay attention to when those moments are presented to us. And then so many ideas are just lost through the drain because we let them slip away. Mm -hmm. um, right, right. Like... Through your fingertips, right? just literally. And if that idea isn't brought to life by you, like it will be brought to life by somebody else. Um, so that's kind of like my drive to put ideas on paper is like, if I don't do it, somebody else will. Um, and I will always support other artists, but also like I know that it's hard to come up with ideas just organically. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I get an idea, I like really try to claim it. Um, so does that mean, I like the word claim, so we'll, we'll get back to that cool. in a second. Um, does that mean the notepad in your phone is, is yes. some kind of crazy? That is the true artist. Like <laughs> that, that, that question has gotten really fun really fast. Because it's always on you. Like I would love to be that bitch who carries a tiny little moleskin and a pencil in her pocket all the time but i've got my field notes right yeah, yeah. um but no my phone is always going to be on me and it's always something that i can do quickly and in the moment um like if words or scribbles both words i am not a fan of drawing on my phone ironically uh the fingertip on like this tiny screen it's, it's not always the best it, it's tricky um no all of my ideas are typed out described um like back when I was doing the surreal portraits, like I can go back and see each one of my portraits written out before that they were done. So it'd be like a face with band-aids all over it, uh, or a face with uh, a devil mask on it. Um, and 
I would go back and look at the notes and I would know what I was talking about. Like I could see the same image that I had when I wrote it down. Yeah. Um, but I know that if I didn't write it down, like that image would be gone. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to just put it somewhere and get it later than it is try to think about it later because every time I've just been like, Oh, I don't need to write that down. It's bitten me in the ass. Yeah. Right. Every time. And that's where like you do get to let your ideas marinate because then you can come back to it and be like, okay, I was on some bullshit. Like this is not a good idea. <laughs> right. Or you can be like, Ooh, like I kind of like the way this feels in my brain. Like let's bring it into reality. See what happens. Um, because a lot of my ideas do end up looking way different than I originally envisioned them, which is just part of the creative process, part of the beauty of like tumbling a, a rock and turning it into sea glass. Sea glass, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, so since you said the word claim, I really want to ask uh, how much of your ideas can you genuinely say one hundred percent are yours? Versus things that you feel as if uh, the idea was given to you or you came across it or you were a conduit for. So is there a ratio there? I would say that never, ever uh, have any of my ideas been 100% original. And I think that, like, when I started tattooing, I felt this insane pressure to be totally original. Like, do things that nobody's ever seen. Um, and then I realized that, number one, that pressure was not serving me. Like, it wasn't productive pressure. Mm -hmm. um, if anything, it just made me shut down because I couldn't think of anything that had never been done before. Uh, and number two, like, a lot of the ideas that already exist are really good, valid ideas that deserve to be explored. Um, and there is, uh, like, I'm thinking about this book called Steal, Steal Like an Artist, can't remember who wrote it, but that was a huge, uh, I guess, like evolution in my relationship with art. Um, I, I can see how, yeah. Is that like you shouldn't, you should be open to inspiration from all around you. You shouldn't close yourself off to um, anything. Like if you see an artist who's making art that you wish that you could make, like jealousy, I feel like is. A, a really easy reflex to have um, where you just feel like, oh man, like I wish I had done that first. Yeah, but um, we're, you got to find the lesson in that like knee-jerk reaction. Absolutely. Because when I get jealous, it's usually something that I wish I could do or something, a skill that I don't have being on display yeah. or something like that. And if I feel like I'm jealous, like maybe I should learn how to do that right? so I can stop being jealous and yeah. like, know how to do that. Pause for self-reflection. How can I use this because really the jealousy is inspiration that you're mad at <laughs> yeah, oh yeah oh yeah every time it's like oh look at that it's so good right oh and it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so exactly. easy to to let yourself fall into that uh habit but the once i kind of switch gears into like feeling jealousy towards other people's art to like flipping that coin over and being like absolutely hell yeah that artist is seeing something they're tapped into something that i want to tap into hmm. uh and instead of like feeling like that artist has claimed that entire uh realm of art it's like no you can you can walk through it you can take a path through it and land somewhere else um, but you can pick up little treasures along the way like if you like a color scheme that an artist has used or if you like uh 
shapes and like a contrast that an artist has used. Like you can pick up little tips and tricks along the way and apply that to your own art. Um, as long as you're not like fully duplicating it, mm -hmm. like you should absolutely like hunt and gather for, for little berries and morsels and feed that to your art family. Yeah, yeah. fold that in. Uh, one of my big inspirations lately is like uh, the psychedelic 70s paint jobs on oh. hot rods and vans and stuff. Ooh. So I got a milk crate full of magazines from one of my cousins and it's just all car magazines from the 70s and 80s. Dude. And uh, I've just been like sit down flipping through them some of them are in black and white which kind of sucks but uh, a lot of them have color images but even in the black and white you can see the shape and the form and whatever you know you can get mm -hmm. the general proportions of it which is still super handy but i've been sitting on that for like nine months and i finally did something the other day yeah yeah and it's I've just finally ingested enough to where i feel like i'll enjoy the output of that yes. particular influence and I mean, we're sitting around in my super secret studio here. Like you, you can see some of my artwork, so you know, like it's vivid, it's patterned loosely. You know, it's psychedelic. Now, mm -hmm. let me add a bit more uh, form and shape to it of different varieties that I can complement the wacky colors with. Yeah. And I may even get into some metal flake at some point, but Ooh, different, that's different, cool. different, different workflow. <laughs> uh, that's but exciting, but for what I'm trying to push right now, I feel really okay with it. Hell yeah, dude. That's awesome. So I totally agree with the philosophy of like picking up what you can, doing the respectful integration of it into your work. Yeah. And respectful, figuring out, yeah. It's yeah. like a reverence to, to reference another artist without like completely ripping them off. Well, I mean, how much of a luxury is it that we get to learn these things, whether they're like directly taught to us or we can figure them out on our own? Like that right. information being there and it being available for us to consume is super fucking cool because it doesn't have to be there. Yeah. Like I've, I've sat down and talked with people that they've told me things I never thought I'd hear out of their mouth. They're like, Oh yeah, you know, I just do this and that and whatever, blah, blah, blah. This happens. I'm just like, Whoa. <laughs> so if you like, if that's something you really wanted to know and you sit around and you forget that, then that's disrespectful to both of y'all. Right. Yeah. It, like you're doing a disservice to artists before you. And honestly, like, my favorite references to reference are older illustrators. Um, like, my dad and I were just talking about Frank Frazetta. Yes. Oh, yes. my God. That whole, that whole genre of barbarian, yeah, like 80s super masculine, crazy stuff is Give it to me. wild. Like, um, even, that, even the animals are super ripped. Yeah, <laughs> and that man is a master of his of his art. Like, he put that out into the universe. Um, not saying like, hey, directly rip this off There's for years to come, but like, because it's fucking take these cool. ideas yes. around with them. It was yeah. radical at the time, and it, it influenced a whole should be on like, a damn a whole know, niche of right? magazine yeah. cover. Oh like, that wasn't novel. very. Well, you know, it things. wasn't very uh, pop culture uh, relevant before that stuff like landed, and then all of a sudden, Tumblr pages I followed. Just for that. <laughs> <laughs> and Tumblr, Tumblr is a is a fountain of amazing uh, resources when looking for vintage and antique uh, or just classic imagery. Uh, There's a lot of it on there. It's not all porn, everybody. <laughs> right. There's a lot of porn. Give it a try. 
It's a lot of porn, but there's a lot of other things too. Yeah, um, who would want you to believe that there's no porn on Tumblr, but that's simply not right? true. <laughs> I mean, you can look for it if you want. We won't judge you, but also look for some cool art because it is there. Yes, plenty. Uh, I think one of my sidebar to a sidebar, Fuck Yeah Vintage Retro, I think is the name of it. Okay. And, and Fuck Yeah Science Fiction. Mm. And then uh, there's a couple like art ones that are just like, Fuck yeah, and then the thing. And they've got all the... And it's just a blog about that whole part of pop culture. All the treasures. That's awesome. Retro vintage sci-fi. Yeah, like there's that kind of things. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of good ones. If it's it's like barbarians, cavemen, you know, alt past, alt future, uh, uh, jet age futurism, let's see, um, anything that could have been a cover of a Star Trek paperback. Yes, sir. Like all that shit. (laughs) There, There are blogs for it. And That's awesome. awesome. As there should be. Like, of course. There, those are images and works of art that deserve to be uh, cycled through our everyday media. Like I think, I love seeing new artists make new things, but there's no denying that everything that is made recently, everything that is considered new, has its roots somewhere in something older. Um, especially in tattooing, like so much of tattooing, uh, especially in traditional aspects like American traditional and Japanese traditional, like you're recycling a lot of these old compositions and old designs, old ideas that also had their root in like super old magazine ads, like a tattooer like the old cats would see it in a magazine and be like, that's a tattoo. And they would (laughs) trace it shittily. And now people are using that same composition, that same idea in modern day tattooing. Um, And I think that's sick because like I said earlier with Japanese, like it's timeless for a reason. Like there's a reason that we're still seeing the same designs Mm -hmm. Um, and they deserve to be uh, maintained. We we got to Japanese tattoos from vintage sci-fi retro stuff. This is a good conversation (laughs) if I say so myself. Hell yeah. I like this one. Um, So so back to the original point here. The good creative day, chasing the muse. Oh, yeah. So is there a day that is that... When do you catch a muse? Is is it predictable ever at all? Can you kind of make it happen? And when you do, do you get like zen state about it and like just fall into the thing? Yeah. I have to say without a doubt, every moment of inspiration that, or when I think of um, feeling inspired, it almost always happens when I'm listening to music. And I think that music plays such uh, an intense role in the things that I decide to bring to life. Um, Like a lot of my, when I was doing those wacky colored pencil portraits almost all of them were inspired by a specific lyric from a specific song um and that's another thing where you're like referencing another artist without like being too on the nose Mm -hmm. um is that instead of trying to distill the image or the composition you're trying to distill like the feeling that it brings you um and like the the color scheme like the way that it sits in a room if that makes sense Um, I think that listening to music has really, listening to music intentionally, um, 
has really evolved my sense for inspiration because I know the way that it feels. Um, and when I hear certain lyrics or something, like, that's when I'll grab my phone and write down, like, the artist said these lyrics and it brought this image to my head. Um, so that was a really, that was probably my, my favorite uh, era of making art was uh, doing those portraits because that was before I was doing art as a professional artist and making money off of my passion. And I think that there is a huge distinction in making art for yourself and making art for a client. And sometimes when you bring a paycheck into it, it really does warp the intention of it. Um, so I just, I, I do kind of like yearn for those days where it was just like genuine um, art for art's sake, coming out of moments of inspiration, listening to my favorite artists. Um, and that's something that I hope to like bring my clients and stuff is making art uh, in a state of uh, spontaneity, I guess. Like, they can bring me ideas and prompts, and it, that's always a fun jumping point. Um, and, yeah, I really love turning a client's idea into an actual tattoo. Um, even if it's not, like, as organic, like, it's still, like, a limit that I can kind of, like, follow. Um, but music is a huge part of me feeling inspired and I, on days where I wake up feeling creative, I feel like the first thing I do is try to apply a soundtrack to whatever the vibes are for that day. So what's, uh, what's some of your go-to day starting soundtracks? Let's see. I feel, <laughs> all I'm thinking about is idols. <laughs> that's all I've been listening to lately. Um, Idols of Joy, or Joy as, as an Act of Resistance um, has been my most played album recently. First of all, the term Joy as an Act of Resistance is so inspiring. It's solid. It's oh rebellious as hell. Right? It's so punk. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, Joe Talbot spitting like these crazy one-liners throughout the whole thing. Um, I love the feeling that it elicits just punk and like so angsty. Um but as far as, I feel like there are different vibes. Like Claro, um, her Sling album is something that, that's like an early morning album that I'll put on when I'm feeling, um, I guess like grounded because it's so kind of, it's kind of mellow, but it's still like jazzy and has like these really, there are some funk aspects to that album as well. Um, also Claro is just an angel, like her voice is so, sweet um and i love female musicians like it's just something that i can feel a little bit harder um who else oh wet wet's most recent album is it her most recent it was her 2021 album it's blue let me make sure i get the name right um but that's a new one that i've been listening to yeah her name is just wet and the album is called letter blue very vibey letter blue Letter Blue. Okay. Um, there's some other ladies I've been listening to. Ooh, Big Thief, Adrian Linker. Um, I have a soft spot for like 
folk Americana. I guess everybody does because that's just the vibe that folk brings you. <laughs> um, just warm and cozy. Uh, but her lyrics are so profound and insightful. Um, and I just recently bought my first electric guitar. I got a Gretsch Junior Jet and I'm in love with it. And I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to use it. But it's so fun. But you're to gonna pretend. get there. Yes. Because you saw somebody play guitar and you got really jealous. Yes. And you decided that I'm gonna buy a fucking guitar. Damn. Yeah, you read me like a book. That's exactly how that happened. Oh, see, um, there you go. And you learned the lesson out of that emotion. But. Yeah. And Adrian Lenker is someone who does kind of like bring that like, oh, I wish I was them. Um and she actually is putting on I guess it just recently ended, but she had a songwriting clinic uh over zoom it was like 120 bucks and i was like should i do it even though i've never written a song um i didn't do it and i am glad that i didn't because there's no way i could have kept up uh but i do have intentions of learning music a lot more in depth like music theory i want to learn how to jam and i want to play with other people and no longer just be like a bystander to music mm-hmm. because music is such a big part of my life, but I've never really like actively participated. Um, so I just want like a, a piece of that pie and getting a guitar has really helped me feel like I can participate. So, yeah. I mean, if it doesn't mean you can participate, I don't know what the hell it means. Right? Even <laughs> I, if you don't know what you you're got, doing. Right. Yeah, you have the guitar. You, if you're you, making you, noise. You've got the tools. Yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you find uh, flow state or zen stuff when you get into your workflow? Practicing on guitar or drawing or painting and whatnot? Absolutely. Um, definitely with tattooing. I think it's such a sacred ritual getting tattooed and tattooing another human um and because like you know like obviously your client is feeling every bit of it and you are inflicting that pain um sometimes it does feel like there are hurdles to like truly feeling like you're in the flow state and you can like make the art as you need to make the art uh because you do have to be reserved in the way that like you need to be checking up on your client and making right, sure there's a person laying there. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, so, but honestly, that is what makes, uh, reaching that flow state throughout the process of a tattoo all the more special, um, because it requires so much focus between you and the client. And it just is like this symphony of like the same intention. Like we're both, getting through this together um you, you're both there for the same reason yeah it's just opposite sides of the same reason yeah which is why getting tattooed as a tattooer is so important like you need to fully understand like what they're going through um but yeah tattooing a client especially like long full day sessions are my favorites because it's almost like a sport at that point where you're just, <laughs> You have to be... <laughs> I, I did not expect that. I don't know what I expected, but that's not what I expected. <laughs> it's it's so physically demanding on both of you. Um, but in order to get through like the, the physical aspect of it, like you need... Uh, I hate the, the phrase mental fortitude, but you, like, you need to be in almost a meditative state. Um, because if you're 
like I can tell when I'm tattooing a client and they're nervous uh, or they're anxious or they're like uncomfortable. Um, and again, that's where you kind of like have to be so mindful of how they're feeling. Um, and just getting through a day, even though somebody is like anxious, like if they're moving a lot, like it's not something to shame them for. I mean, like if it's bad, I'll correct a client and I'll say like, you're doing a great job. Can you, um, work on staying a little bit more still for me? Um, and I don't know, just that like collaborative space just makes the, the finished product so much, or I guess it's just validating to get through it together when both of you are like, we're doing this. <laughs> right. Because you come with the same intention. Yeah. Um, is that a skill you knew you would have to work on going into that? Oh, like having to kind of like, like ha having, having to, uh, steer that relationship yeah. in the moment between you and the client. I kind of expected it a little bit because like, as I was getting tattooed, uh, throughout my apprenticeship process, like I was on the other end of that and I would notice the ways that other artists would correct me because like getting tattooed is so intimidating. Like no matter who you are, um, you're in somebody else's space. You're like a guest in their home almost. Um, so understanding that, uh, throughout every interaction, your client is probably feeling a little out of place. They might feel a little nervous. Um, because I have been through that same experience. Like I just assume that all my clients, uh, are looking for validation and comfort because like, those are things that I really value, um, in a tattooer. Uh, and that's, Something that my uh, hairstylist did, uh, talked about, uh, they pointed out that they're only going to get tattoos from people who are kind to them. And it sounds so simple, but I don't think people realize that that is absolutely a standard that you can set for the art that's going to be on your body permanently. Yeah. Um, you have to spend a little amount of time with this person. Why right? should it be an abrasive experience? Yeah, and you're giving them money. Like yeah. you should be proud to pay for their services. Because um, uh, I think so many people just assume when you walk into a tattoo shop, like you're at the mercy of the tattooer. But it's like this should absolutely be a, a collaborative effort. Um, because I know plenty of collectors who have like every single tattoo on them is amazing high quality but they'll look at one certain tattoo and may, might have had like a bad experience with Their that tone tattoo. changes they're just like eh. yeah yeah and it absolutely carries over into like how you perceive that tattoo like it's a gorgeous tattoo but the artist was kind of weird to me then it's not That's a gorgeous like, tattoo right. like it's hard to look at it as it is because so much of your um, experience through the tattoo uh, is part of how you perceive it. Like it's, it's so important to give your client a quality experience to make them feel safe and secure um, and to make them feel like they have a say, like they're not just sitting on my table and I'm a printer doing a service and then they're right. paying me and they're leaving. Um, 
it's a collaboration. Uh, so yeah, what was the question? I can't remember uh, how I jumped off. We we started talking about uh, the flow state and flow state. yeah, and how you have to do that and be mindful of your yes. client at the same time. Absolutely. So that that was a learned and and then honed soft skill yeah. in this whole scenario. Absolutely, because it's like. When I started tattooing, like, I was nervous. I was a scared little bird. Um, <laughs> and I think I was so in my head about, like, I don't want my clients to know that I'm nervous. When in reality, like, you can, like, be open and honest about it uh, and have a better experience. Like, there are some tattoos that I've done uh, that I'm like, oh, maybe not my best day. Um, but because I know for a fact that I was, like, kind to my client and that they felt safe like I can't feel completely I can't shit on myself completely for it um right, because as... there are other parts of their experience that was stellar because you put effort into that too yeah uh luckily I haven't fucked anybody up too badly <laughs> <laughs> I love how casually you said that you Thank must God. you must say that a lot <laughs> well I mean like you know this like as a creative like we're our own Worst critic. critic. Every, oh my god. Every fucking day. Yes. So it's it's hard to even give yourself a little bit of credit. Um and the 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 pieces of art or the tattoos that you make that aren't as powerful as you wanted them to be, like they weigh heavy on your soul <laughs> and you think about it. Um but I think that's just the the part of humans making human art on human vessels like that's just how it is oh there's like in that statement alone there's three degrees of variation right there that could swing wildly different right like <laughs> yours theirs and the actual thing like yeah those three are huge variables right somehow sometimes they all line up oh <laughs> and when it does it's it, it's a beautiful thing and it but, makes it all worth it um and yeah i have honestly met just the coolest clients I say as I'm pouring another glass of wine um but yeah I've made such amazing friends I've had such amazing opportunities and experiences with people that I never would have met without tattooing um and it's because of the people who trusted me enough to get tattooed so that's wild to think about and I am immensely grateful to be in this career. It's crazy. I haven't heard anybody say that without a warm tone. Like I've never heard anybody be bitter about having well-received artwork, you know, especially one that moves and talks and <laughs> does all the things that we do. Uh, I think of, of the few tattooers that I know and the, one other two other I've had on the podcast they've all absolutely loved doing what they do for a living because oh, yeah. of the art yes. the clients a close second but always the art first and I think that's pretty awesome yeah I mean there there aren't a lot of other professions or lifestyles I think where you could say that like so confidently absolutely I 100% agree with you any any tattooer any freelance artist um is the luckiest person alive. <laughs> like, to be able to have a creative career that, uh, it, 
also enables you to have a, a stable income is such a privilege, such, such a luxury that can't be taken for granted. Um, so I think that it's imperative to like really preserve your relationship to your art because it's so hard to come by. Um, and I recently took a break from tattooing because I, I felt myself slipping into like, what if I'm not good enough? What if tattooing isn't for me? Um, and because I know deep down that tattooing is something that will carry me throughout my life, I knew that those thoughts needed to be like addressed and um, nurtured. Like I, I think that I needed to give myself the space to explore those without completely like quitting tattooing and like getting a job somewhere else, like serving a restaurant or something. Living that straight and narrow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because at the end of the day, like there's no job that I would rather have than tattooing. Maybe like a zookeeper. <laughs> yeah. Wait, let's talk about field. that. Total left field. Total left field. All right. Let well, me play with some monkeys and some tigers. That would be so cool. Um, but no, tattooing is, it takes the cake because I get to make art and it's the coolest thing. So off the wall question. What you got? If you weren't tattooing, but still something artistic, what would it be? Oh, if I could start my life over again from scratch, I would have begged my parents to force me into piano or guitar lessons or something. Um, I love music so much and I so wish that I had any sort of musical talent whatsoever. Um, but, uh, I also am glad that I invested in getting myself a guitar because I'm kind of like doing myself, my future self a favor because I know that I wish that my past self would have done that. Um, but if I had the skills that I have currently, I would either be working with animals or with horses specifically. Um, next to music and art, animals are the most important things in my life. All right. So was it all horses or was it a specific kind of horse that you were a horse girl for? Um, it was all horses. I'm such a sucker for really any <laughs> living creature. Um, but the type of writing that I was doing was called Hunter Jumper, which is like kind of the the snootier side of horseback riding. No, <laughs> surely not. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> lots of lots of competitions, lots of lots of showing, um, and towards the end of. Like, I haven't ridden horses in probably five or six years. But the last few horses that I was working with were off-the-track thoroughbreds, which are, like, very high-strung, very neurotic. Uh, mm -hmm. If they don't have physical damage, they've got mental damage. Um, yeah, they're, they're edgy in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes. But they are so uh, malleable. Like, you can turn them into any kind of horse that you need them to be. Um, and it was so cool to work with the horses that I was working with because uh, they would be like like a thousand dollar horses when we get them and then we would sell them for quite a bit more um, and besides the or beside the monetary value like the validation that you got through like making the horse work better with people um, 
was really exciting to me. Um, if I were to go back to horseback riding, I would be a lot more like hippie with it. I would be like <laughs> doing the, the bareback riding, like no bridle, like, <laughs> like that kind of, uh, holistic horsemanship, uh, is something that I would, I feel like I would just eat up, but I never really got the chance to do that. But horses are expensive as hell. Dude. Yes, they are. <laughs> They're really expensive. Even the hippie horseback riding, like, I would need to really save up to invest in, but I think it'll come back in my life at some point. I'm, I'm manifesting it when the time is right. We're also in East Tennessee. This is true. So, lots of horses. There's no shortage of... <laughs> lots of, <laughs> of horses. horses. So, the odds are in your favor, I think. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Animals are great. As you... Pet the cat. <laughs> that was so sweet. I'm surprised she hasn't been... I'm surprised she's been napping the whole time, is what I'm saying. Normally, she's uh, running up and down the hallway, got the zoomies oh. up in somebody's lap. You're getting the rare form right now. Yeah? Yeah. So this is primo me? cat right now. Oh, my goodness. You had a long day, huh? Yeah, a long day laying around the damn house. It's so hard being a kitty. It's the worst. You trying to sniff? You trying to bite? Oh, she's so Really? I fed her. This, I always tell her she got booger on her face. Because <laughs> that like, brown spot right next to her nose. Oh, I did notice that. Yeah, on the other she side of her freckle. face. Cutie. Yeah, she got booger on her face. <laughs> I got to I gotta keep it real with her. Don't get too cocky. Right, yeah. Her ego's huge. You don't <laughs> even know. She is a gorgeous cat, but that ego is huge. Yeah, she's beautiful. So music, horses, art. Love it. Where where in your practice are you pushing boundaries right now? If you are. I cannot claim any sort of accolades for the past couple of months. I've been thoroughly unemployed. <laughs> um, in October, I, uh, some might say impulsively, quit my job and moved back home uh with my parents, uh, there were a lot of, um, aspects of my personal life that needed to be reset. So the past three months or so have been, uh, solely for letting myself like catch my breath again. Um, but even while I was tattooing, even at like the peak of uh, all the tattoos that I've created, I still feel like I can't claim any sort of like revolutionary uh, uh, supplement that I've given the industry. Well, no, that that's not the the spirit of the question. It's Word. more it's more so like what skills of yours are you trying to sharpen or uh, skills to gain? Okay, like what are you what are you working on like for your practice? Gotcha. Cool. I was like, I have not given shit to shit. <laughs> the greater good, man. I am, I am but a wee little creature floating through this universe. Um, for myself, yeah. I feel like getting a guitar has been a really cool challenge for myself because it is so different um, and it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, oh, and you have to use both hands. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is so good for the brain to try to figure out this really complex instrument. Um, so, asides or besides the guitar, which has been a project of the past few months, I literally last week bought a baby blue 1992 Chevrolet 
G30, Lazy Days Conversion Camper. That was a lot of words. Uh, the the van, <laughs> the van you posted. The van. Yes, yes. that thing's uh, gorgeous. From Thank all that I've you. seen. Hell yeah, good snag. Right, dude. Yeah. It 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 felt like divine intervention, divine timing that I saw that thing on Facebook Marketplace and it was affordable, which usually those aren't. Uh, specifically the the lazy days specifically i guess i guess you would call them vintage now um, yeah yeah they are vintage now <laughs> it looks sick like it it, it looks so like sick. it could have come from the 70s i saw it and i got jealous <laughs> <laughs> wow what a compliment yep um she is beautiful i'm thoroughly obsessed with that vehicle um it's is does the interior match the exterior yeah so it's that same baby blue on the it's, inside well it's not uh, the quality of it like the the condition of it is just as pristine on the inside as it is on the outside it's not baby blue it's definitely more of like a 90s drab colorway uh which i don't mind i kind of eat that shit up i <laughs> i'm so sick of um like contemporary design with like the corporate office looking interiors um so i knew that i didn't want uh, newer model. I didn't want anything made in the past 10 years, which honestly, some would argue that anything made in the past 10 years is of questionable quality. Um, so I knew I wanted something older that had had a few trips on it. Um, and that had that like cozy interior feeling that I feel like I could make into a home, um, while preserving the original, like just groove of the inside. Um, and that is another like huge challenge that I've, uh, presented myself with because I have no mechanical or engineering inclinations <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you dove in head first yeah, again. It's like, why would you do that scout if you don't know what the fuck you're doing? Um, because I want to. <laughs> And I want to, this is again, like so I want to leave. You, you paid for this headache, but yeah. you full on volunteered for this one. And I am so desperate to shake my life up and get out of Tennessee. Um, and this van is exactly what I need. She did completely shit out on the road today. Uh, no. Yeah. If you saw me on the corner of Westland next to the Presbyterian church, completely stalled out with the hazards on. Um, mind your business. <laughs> you Come didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't tell anybody, but yeah, we were stuck uh, on the side of the road for three and a half hours, something like that. Um, my dad and I, we woke up super early this morning to go to the, the DMV and get a, a tag for the, the van and we were going to bring it to my dad's mechanic friend and get all the inside scoop about like the condition of it uh have a, a little checkup and we didn't even get 10 minutes out of the the neighborhood until she stalled out and just now went were, to sleep. were you expecting of any shenanigans or oh yeah okay. i mean like she it looks she <laughs> her name is dale um yes yes <laughs> run it <laughs> absolutely a beautiful lady named dale um <laughs> yes and with any 30-year-old vehicle, no matter how beautiful and pristine they look, like, you're in for some shit. Like, you have to be prepared for something to go wrong. Um, even if nothing goes wrong, at least you were ready. Um, mm -hmm. But count on something going wrong. Um, and 
boy, did it go wrong. I mean, we were stuck out there for most of today and we jumped the battery. We, uh, put starter fluid in it and everything. And she just would not, she would turn over, but she wouldn't like hold it. It would slip out of, um, power. And we had cops helping us out. Some guy, some AAA guy was driving by. He was like, you need some help. And then he jumped our battery. Um, so it was a, it was a great day of like human connection because we got to interact with a few good Samaritans and then also, um, laugh at people because when was the last time you were able to say that. <laughs> I, I love people. I, I, um, might be grotesquely optimistic about the state of humanity. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you say even that, then yeah, probably. But no, even, even shitty cantankerous humans that I interact with make me smile because I know that it's they're just big babies they're just a child right <laughs> they're just big babies <laughs> like something went wrong and like you need to like take a time out and it's okay um but no uh it was just a really funny day of trying to direct traffic away from the lane that we were stuck in and people were just so bewildered by the fact that something is broken down on the road and then they're rubbernecking at the actual vehicle once they figure out yes. what's going on yeah <laughs> um but no, I'm I'm so excited to learn more about mechanics and learn more about like maintaining a, a older vehicle like this because it it's so worth it. Uh, just the vehicle itself, but also the opportunities that having a motorhome presents you. Like to be able to live anywhere, to leave on a whim, um, to see the world is such a luxury and. Um, I could not have done it without my parents. They, uh, like I said, I've been unemployed for the past few months. Um, burned through my savings that I had built working that festival in Nashville. So I was good for a few months and definitely did not have the money to invest in an RV. Um, but because my parents had just moved houses, they had some money to like help me get started on my next adventure. Um, and I fully intend on paying them back and more for uh, what they have or how they have supported me. Um, it's very similar to how I went to an all girls boarding school as a 14 year old. Like I just brought them this crazy idea and they saw my excitement. They saw that I'd been doing research and they were like, okay, like we will help you do this. Um, and like, I, I just feel so lucky, so privileged to be able to say that um, because I know that so many people would want to just buy a, a, a motorhome, an RV like that, um, but don't have the, the same platforms that I do to be able to accomplish that. So I am really trying to, like, grab it by the horns and take advantage of the opportunity that my parents have given me um so yeah I am super excited to keep on trucking literally and have my guitar on the road and be tattooing as I'm traveling around life is crazy I can't believe that that's a possibility for me <laughs> well you're smack dab in the middle of it right now yeah like getting ready to embark on this crazy journey um after see lots of uh, greasy elbows in your future yeah i hope so i hope that i have the 
the capacity to like do the shit that I need to do and make sure that I'm safe and that the vehicle is well taken care of. Um, but no, I'm just excited to keep invest investing in these new skills that I've decided to take on. Even if I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, we'll figure it out. Yeah, you'll you'll <laughs> you'll you'll tread water and then it'll make sense. Yeah, we're we're flailing, but we're we're doing it gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> flailing gracefully. <laughs> All right, well, Scout, I think this is a good spot to uh, to end the episode. If you would remind the folks of your social media outlets before we split, that would be cool. Yes, sir. Um, my name is Scout Smith. Thank you so much for having me on. You um, are most welcome. I was so flattered to see your DM. Um, that's, that's the first time I've ever heard that. Really? <laughs> I was flattered to see your oh DM. Oh my God, I was so stoked. Um, <laughs> no, like even if this wasn't being recorded, like I really cherish um, getting to have conversations with people, especially people who uh, are creative themselves and like the fact that you've fostered a community of creatives within Knoxville, I think is so valuable. I'm working on it. Always, yeah. always working on it. it. Like you can keep on growing. And I think that that's something that you should be really proud of. Um, but yeah, so my name is Scout Smith and I'll be tattooing at Golden Heart Tattoo Company in Seymour, Tennessee for the uh, future a little bit. <laughs> um, and you can find me on Instagram at Scout Smith, S-K-O-U-T-S-M-I-T-H. And you can send me an email if you want to get tattooed or just say, hey, whatever you want. <laughs> um, but yeah. You good? That's it? I think that's it. Right, Did cool. I say everything? All right, listen, everybody. It was it was one of those scenarios where I saw this person on the internet and they happened to be doing Knoxville things. So I said, oh, shit. Got to send this person one of those uh, nice personalized DMs. And uh, I did, and she said yes, and here we are. So this is another successful adventure to have an intentional conversation uh, by asking questions into the ether. So thank you, Internet. Thank you for being cool. Um, <laughs> thanks for microphones existing, and thank you all for listening. Uh, I really do greatly appreciate it. This has been the latest episode of the KAAMP. This is Thomas. Um, y'all do the things. Um Share, like, rate, whatever. Y'all know. Y'all know. I don't have to explain it to you. Just the one thing I would really like for you to do is when you get somebody in your car that's never heard this before, just turn it on. Put that shit on. Don't say nothing. <laughs> don't say don't say nothing. Just turn it on and wait till they look at you sideways and then tell them. <laughs> then tell them this is a KAAMP. We're listening to creative people talk about being creative people. And I would be just ever so appreciative of that. So thank you. And uh, I guess you'll hear me next time.